This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. This week's guest is Kimberly Kaplan. Canadian and Vancouver-based Kim Kaplan was one of the earliest employees at Plenty of Fish. She led product, marketing, and revenue on the executive team that eventually sold Plenty of Fish to Match Group for $575 million in 2015. There was always an entrepreneur in her. When she was four years old, she decided to not sell lemonade at a stand like every other child, but painted rocks gold, thinking it would make more money. After a two-year hiatus after Plenty of Fish, where she spent her time advising and angel investing, she like most of us, scrolled on TikTok and saw that so many users were essentially putting up dating video profiles, but TikTok did not have the interface to support this. That is when Snack was born. Kim, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thanks for having me. Kim, I I have to say, uh, you know, before we get started, like you and I go way back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We go way back to your plenty of fish days when you're at POF. And we happened to sit next to each other at some dating awards ceremony. (laughs) And had too much fun. We had way too much fun. We had way too much champagne. And then a week later, I have to say this, this is like one of my favorite stories. A week later, I get an email introduction from you to a gentleman who you, I guess, sat next to him at a wedding, Mm -hmm. right? Is that what happened? At a dinner. Yeah, at a dinner. Yeah. And, um, And he's East Coast based and you're West Coast based, but you happen to be at another event. And he contacts us, he goes, you know, you were Kim, you know, you were referred by Kim. Um, I'd like to hire you. We got him in a relationship. He got married through us. He's referred us a few clients. They also got, I think, married or something. They got relationships and then they referred friends. So now we're like at three or four generations in from that first introduction. I love it. I love it. And they have kids. Like they have a kid, right? Like that's why we do what we do. We work in dating and in this industry because creating relationships and forming these um, meaningful connections is all is like the best experience and provides so much more value than any, a lot of other things we could do with our lives. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> I just think it's, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of influence, but you know, I never think of it from like the online dating perspective because like as a matchmaker, you know, I get to know the human, I get to spend time with them. I get to speak to them and, and maybe I'm wrong. So I want you to correct me, but I feel like an online dating world it's just a number on an Excel sheet. So it's like, oh, they got into a relationship. Great. It's bound to happen. You know, we have like millions of users. Your face you know, is like, is like you know on, a, on a day-to-day basis. I would absolutely agree with that is that it is kind of like you're, you're tracking numbers and metrics, but like we had our first success couple on snack six weeks in and the whole team celebrated. We were all so excited and there was gifts and emojis and random things flying around. And it was this moment of realization where it's like, this is why we do what we do. Right. Like, we're all so excited about the fact that this couple met on snack. And I remember that like, yes, on this day-to-day basis, it's how many messages are sent and how many signups do you get? But 
when you take a step back and yearly reflect upon what you're building and why you're building it, there is that feel good component to it in that you're building something to help people meet their person. And you can't deny the power of that. I love that. That's you're right. You're right. I guess, I guess I need to give credit to more online dating sites than I am right now. Um, but speaking of which, so you were at plenty of fish. Yes. You were there for the, you were there for 10 years. You were there for the big sale, right? Yeah. Went through the match.com acquisition. And then I stayed around for three years post acquisition and got a great chance to work across the match group. Um, get to know different people and different organizations inside the match group and how the whole kind of behemoth of match works. Um, and it was just such an amazing learning experience. You, did you get to, you're in Vancouver, but you have to come to New York for that. Or did you stay in Vancouver? I I stayed in Vancouver for the, but I got to travel. So I traveled to LA or New York. I went to Paris. Um, I went to Brazil and worked with the Rio team so I had a great opportunity to see how Tinder works, how OkCupid works, how Match.com works. But went to Dallas quite a bit. And it was interesting to see all these different organizations essentially run as independent entities, but they share commonalities between them as well. And like I always say that I look at like a Match.com is a very marketing-driven type of organization. And they did marketing so well, and they continue to do marketing so well. And there's learnings and things you can take away from that. And then Tinder was very design orientated and took this amazing new approach to mobile user experience. And so I got to learn from that and how they approached a design first app. And then at Plenty of Fish, we were very data driven. So we use numbers to kind of make decisions and being able to take the best of all those three experiences and put them together is kind of what I'm really excited about for what we're building now is Snack. So tell me more about Snack. You're the CEO of Snack. So I left Plenty of Fish and I never thought I'd get back into dating. I was the biggest bear. I was so bearish of dating in general. And I would tell everyone not to bother doing it because of how difficult the space is. And you mean like on a business side, like don't open. Oh yeah. Yeah. From a business side about how hard it is to run a dating company and to launch a new dating company. I feel like Um, that's like, and I'm sorry for interrupting you, but like, you know, I get asked all the time, like, Hey, can you look at this dating app or whatever? And my question is always like, well, how much funding do you have? Because I'm starting to realize that if you don't have at least 2 million in the bank, it's going to be really hard yeah. to launch. You have to have a unique idea. You right. can't, um, you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to stand out from all the other players in the space? Right. I mean, we joke that like, there's so many, there's so many dating apps that haven't succeeded that it's actually difficult to raise capital um, because there has been money put behind them. And when I was raising for snack, we, I did find that. And there's lots of funds that didn't want to give you money because they've been burned before. They tried it, they'd invested and they hadn't seen the successes they wanted or the returns that they wanted. Right. So raising capital for dating is difficult. Trying to break out in this space where there are only a couple of major players and it's rare that you get that new one that does come up, but it happens every kind of eight to 10 years. You do have a new player that enters the market and wins, but it's one out of a thousand. So it's when I thousand because I feel like it's like a thousand, a thousand, something like a, I forget where I read this. Maybe Mark Brooks has it somewhere, a slide, but something like a thousand apps or la- dating apps are launched a month. I have no idea. Crazy like, like it was just like, you know, and, and that's what you see too. Like I, we you know, just like, you know, just like you and I met at an industry dating conference, we'll go to other industry dating conferences and it's just, you know, a bunch of new people 
who are like, I'm going to make it. And it's like, okay, great. What's the unique idea? Cause it can't possibly just be swiping at this point. That can't be the unique idea. (laughs) It can't. And the other thing too, is it's really hard if you're going after small niches, um, which there is lots of opportunity, but it's hard to get funding because ultimately when you think about traditional venture funding, they're wanting massive returns and massive exits. So if you're going after smaller portions of the market, it's harder for them to get the returns that they're looking for. So I think there might be that opportunity to go after some new spots and new places in the market, but it's just not, um, the current funding environment isn't set up for that. Okay. So this podcast is not how I built this by Guy Raz. So let's, let's stay away from that for a second, but tell me more about, we're start talking about business and industry. And as much as I love it, I don't know if my listeners do, um, tell me a little bit more. So snack, you know, when I downloaded the first time to check it out a few months ago, I was taken aback by how TikTok idiot it is. It is. A, a, so that's how I came up with the idea. I was using TikTok one day and I came across this woman's profile and she was pointing in the four directions saying, what's your sign? What's your age? Where are you from? And what's your drink of choice? And I realized that she was trying to use TikTok to date. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized that a, now was the right time for a video first dating app because TikTok ultimately taught people how to create these really compelling 15 and 30 second snippets about themselves. And that was the missing piece for why video hadn't historically worked, at least in my mind. And so I went down this kind of journey of creating snack and realizing how much more authentic video is. I kind of joke that the Instagram kind of is Kim Kardashian selfie era, whereas TikTok is really that more authentic, real, here's who I am. And I can show a lot more of myself off that way. And which lends itself really well to dating. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, as someone who likes TikTok, what strikes me as one of the most important features of TikTok is the authenticity behind the user. Like I was trying to explain this to a colleague of mine recently. I was like, don't dress up for this. Like the most viral of TikToks are the ones where you're just, you know, chilling in bed, hair in a ponytail, tell me your story, tell me your funny story, like, you know, that sort of thing. And so, and then to see it on snack, I was like, yeah, okay. If I were 25, this is it. Because I think I'm, if, especially for people under 25, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, your app is targeted for people 18 to 25, right? It is. Yeah. We do have older people on the app, but we really are targeting that TikTok first generation. And so that, that, that generation right there, right there, first of all, they were born into a world where online dating is a given. They're born into a world where online dating isn't even taboo. Yeah. And Tinder came out for some of these people when they were 13. And I'm not saying that they were using Tinder at 13, but if you're 18, 19, 20, you've probably already gone over the swiping or the thumbing. Because if you've had Instagram since you were 13 or Facebook or whatever, yep. you've thumbed, you've thumbed your half of your life away. <laughs> and to be honest, oh, for a lot of them, Tinder's the app that their parents use. So yeah. they don't want to be on it because they view that as being, oh, that's for the, that's for the older generation. That's not what I would want to use as a dating right. app. And when we say Tinder, like that's just like a placeholder for a few websites. Oh like- yeah. Tinder, Bumble, you name it. It's that yeah. whole um, swath of apps that came out eight to 10 years ago now. Right. And so with Snack, what, how many, like, what can you share about your app? I know some things are proprietary, but Well, we launched three months ago. We are primarily focused on the U.S., but we are live in other countries at the moment. 
we've had our first success couple six six weeks in so about six weeks ago now what are some other fun things that we can share we're seeing we're actually starting to launch some video creation features to help people get better at creating videos that are more dating orientated um so it's not just you sitting there staring at a camera trying to talk about yourself and i actually maria i like i loved your example when i you mentioned what would you put into a video for snack if you had the choice. And that's still my favorite answer. If you want to share. Of course I want to share. So if I were on snack, I would put the camera in my kitchen. I would just be, I'd have the deli meat and the bread and I'd be slicing a tomato and I'd be looking at the tomato slicing and I'd look up into the camera and I would say, Hey, I'm making a sandwich. Let me know what you'd like. And hopefully that that hopefully that um, icebreaker is a way for people to just be like, I'd like a turkey, ham and cheese. Uh, it's brilliant because it's exactly what you're doing is you're giving people that jumping off point of how do I start? How does someone start the conversation with me? How do they DM me? What do they say? And you're making it a lot easier for them with that video example right. than just uh, this kind of blank canvas of here's my dog. I think that might be thing, even a little bit easier, but I have one more, I think that I would also do. Um, I hope that there are people under 25 listening to this so that they can just take these ideas. But, um, another idea that is, cause you know how Peloton is like so popular. Oh yeah. I would totally get on a Peloton bike, just put my camera up and be like, I'm racing you. What's your username? Let's find each other. Just be like, let's go. Like, that's brilliant. I'm going to use that. Right? Let's race. That's so good. But those are the types of things like we want to provide, just like TikTok provides prompts and ideas for what you should create. We want to start to the same thing and have it be more dating orientated, like what you're saying. You're right. not going to go on TikTok and randomly tell everyone, like ask people for what their usernames on Peloton are, because you don't necessarily want to connect with everyone on TikTok. But right. in a dating environment where you get to opt in as to who you connect with, that makes absolute sense. Yeah, I think, I think. I think Gen Z is just very different in how they approach new information. You know, they're also, they'll call you out on your shit. Am I the only one who's like, noticed this? Like, like they are not about the gaslighting at all. They're just like, oh, no bullshit. Let's go. I, I love that. It's kind of this unapologetically honest and open and also a lot more self-deprecating and cool. humorous in their approach to life. And I think that is brilliant. And I love seeing that. And it's coming across on TikTok and we're starting to see it on snack as well. It is just that more yeah, open. I've on- seen that like on snack, I see that too. And, um, cause I sometimes thumb through there to see, you know, who the users are and like what, what they're putting up. And so it's a hazard of the job. I always joke with my husband that I'm sorry, honey, I'm on all these dating apps for, for work. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I, a lot of people repurpose their TikTok videos and put them on snack. Yeah. We, and we welcome it. We say, you don't need to create something new for snack. You can upload the videos you already have on your phone, but we also want to help you create something if you're unsure what to create, because there's still a percentage of people that don't participate in TikTok from the creation side. They might consume on TikTok. So how do we just make it that much easier for you to know what to create? And TikTok's done a phenomenal job of that. And how do we do the same thing, but with a bit of a dating spin to it? And that's what we're, we're launching in the next few weeks, a couple things around that. So I'm excited to share that. I'm really excited to see that. And how do you feel about, you know, I think, I think there's always concerns for safety when it comes to dating and more specifically online dating. Um, you know, what, what steps does 
snack uh, do or participate in for the safety of their users, if any? Absolutely. There's a lot of things that we are doing around safety and we are still relatively new. And so we are adapting as we learn. I think video makes it somewhat easier in that it's harder to catfish. It's harder to pretend to be somebody else. And videos didn't exist or these types of videos didn't exist five, 10 years ago. So you are pulling from a smaller pool or like you're having to create these videos as you're going. So you can't take an old image of somebody or an old image of yourself and put that forward. And the other really important thing we did from day one is we're asking for everyone's phone number so that we can identify you. We don't let you sign up with just an email address. We don't let you sign up with a Facebook account. You have to give us your phone number so that we can tie or your Apple ID so that we can tie you exactly to a specific ID. That's a lot harder to fake. It's a lot harder to get an extra phone number than it is to just sign up for a Gmail or a Hotmail account. And then the other thing we're working on at the moment is working with a bunch of different dating companies. Um, been talking with Robin from her and a couple of other um, better known ones too, around, especially female run ones around what we can do to band together, to really come up with what the safety, what that kind of safety guidelines should be and what we should be doing in, as a whole, as part of this industry to ensure that we are creating a safe environment for all of our users, all of our users. When you say safe, what do you mean by that? Well, there's the, like the, I think the table stakes now, which is moderation just in general like how do you make sure that the videos are appropriate that um, you're not having nudity or violence and I think there's tools that really support that now and to me that is just table stakes that's something that every social app should be doing ultimately and then there are the like how do you report someone like though again like a lot of these things have been tried and true with dating apps when I think about what those next steps are it's how do we ensure that we are like tying a phone number to a specific account and making it next to impossible for that person to sign back up again. If something, um, is if it they possible were for you, is it possible for you to do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you can, you can do different things technologically to say, okay, this device, this phone number, um, create a negative experience to someone. It could just be that they were being rude, um, or they're uploading bad videos and we want to block that type of behavior on the app. So that is something that you can, with a phone number, with a device, your Apple ID, you're able to do that. It's so funny. The last week, I got two questions from people during Ask a Matchmaker Wednesdays, which were basically like, this person was really rude to me on the date. Should I tell the app that they were using to meet that person to, should I report them? I would love to get to the point where we can ultimately say our algorithm is going to take that into consideration. If you get reported too frequently for rude behavior, whether that be on or off the app. So it's not just a one-off experience, but like if you're rude multiple times and we get reports from two or three people you've been on dates with that you've been rude to them, we'd love to be able to drop you down an algorithm and say, look, you're not going to show up again. We do not allow for bad behavior on this app. And I think that that would be really, really powerful is to provide people those tools to be able to in a positive, like not as a terrible, like negative way, like something as simple as ghosting. Like how do you report someone for ghosting and say, Hey, you're just not going to show up as frequently because that behavior is not something that we want on our app. Are you building this into your algorithm? Yes. Hard but questions on Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Ideally, yes, that it should, it's something that would be coming down the pipeline. Because like for one of those two people, that was actually why they wanted to report yeah. them to the dating app. There was like, he ghosted me. And my, my response was way worse than whatever you just said, because, well, not that it was worse. Yours is way better than what I just said. Um, in the sense that like, I, I mean, God, I replied saying, 
you know, just, just stop talking to them. You don't have to report them. Just, just move on to the next person. Like that really sucks, but I don't know. It, it would never, cr- maybe it's also because I'm the kind of person who would just never go and give someone like a negative review. I don't, I don't know. And the fact that you just told me that there is a way to algorithmically ask someone, you know, Hey, I mean, I think this is a, this has always been an opportunity for online dating sites, but I don't know that many sites that do it, but cause I mean, matchmakers do it, which is asking like, did you meet this person? How yeah. did they go? And getting that data because I remember like there was a website that would ask like, you know, what went wrong. And in fact, I think that was the name of the website, what went wrong, but like, instead of what it was spelled W O T and you could say like, Hey, I'd like, you would send the email to the person. And then it would ask them like for their feedback about how the date went and why did, why was there no second date? Like getting that feedback. And part of me just like wonders like, and maybe you can answer this because you've worked for a major online dating site and you work for match group. Like why don't online dating sites add a feature where it's like, how did the date go? You know, collect that data. I think that some of them do. Part of it is, is if the date goes well, they don't come back onto the app. Because if you had a great date, you're not going to be logging back in to be like, oh, that was awesome. Uh, right. you're, you're wanting to see it through for a few more dates and then maybe you delete your profile. But so maybe, maybe if that feature that existed, people would still check in to do it. Maybe. But then I also fear like if you had a great date, now all of a sudden someone's friend sees you back online. They're like, well, obviously that date didn't go well. But if you knew that feature was in there, maybe they know that, like, I'm just saying like, you know, build it and people will come, I suppose, but maybe there's a reason financially that that's never been put in. I suppose I'm just making assumptions here, but I think the reason why I asked this is because that is a possible, you know, uh, safety mechanism too, I suppose like, you know, Hey, how did the date go? And if you're responding, well, Oh, he ghosted me or he catfished me or he was really rude to me or he harassed me you know, or God forbid, you know, something even more serious, you can report that in a different way. Oh, absolutely. And that reporting, I believe exists on most apps out there. It's that positive component that I think you're probably right is missing from a lot of places. Like, how do you let someone know that um, you had a great experience? And that I think when you delete your, when you delete your profile, a lot of apps ask you if you're deleting because you met somebody on the app. Um, but then that's so many steps removed. It's not about the date itself. There was an app where friends could rate their friends. Do you remember that one? Ship? No, it was no, when friends would be able to tell like people you used to date, like, oh, this is my ex-boyfriend and you'd be oh, able God. to rate Was it lulu.com? Yes, that's the one I was thinking of. Oops, I got shut down and I, and I was so surprised that it got shut down too. Um, I Thank found you. an ex-boyfriend on it with like 50 re- negative reviews and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> but there is like, there was some type of a like a- appeal to it and that you got to see how someone would rate somebody else that had already been through that experience with them. Positive, right. negative as a friend, but I also understand why it got shut down. I um, would, I, you know, stuff like that scares me because I'm not saying that, you know, everyone deserves a negative review or whatever, but there's always two sides to every story. I suppose I, I want to believe, I don't know. It's, it's really tough. Um, and how do you envision? Um, I mean, I can't wait for the new features to be released, but what type of growth do you envision snack to receive over the next six months and what, you know, next year? Oh, I'm hoping, hoping for world domination. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, in terms of features that are coming out, I can share a couple of them. Okay. Uh, we are, when you think about dating versus TikTok on TikTok, you very easily see yourself in some of these videos. So you know what videos to create. 
But on a dating app, for the most part, it, you're seeing somebody you're interested in, which might not be the same gender as you. So you're not necessarily seeing videos that you would know how to create very easily. Uh, so what we're trying to do is where inside of a dating app do we show you someone who might be of the same gender as you to say, hey, you could replicate this content or this content's performing really well and getting them a lot of messages or a lot of people interested in them. Why don't you try doing something like this? And it can't live in your feed or your stack like it typically would because your experience there is you're looking for a specific type of person mm -hmm. and a specific gender, whereas this content needs to live somewhere else. So that's what we're in the process of launching is how do we show you people like you that and the content they're creating so that you can more easily replicate that so that Maria, you go on there and you upload a video of making a sandwich and it is one of the best performing videos. How do we show that to other women? How do we say, hey, like if you create a video like this, that's going to get you more likes or more people interested in you. One of the things that I think plagues online dating is the search features mm. in the sense that I think it creates these really limiting components that just don't exist in real life. Like for instance, where did you meet your husband, Kim? We met sailing. Okay. So you met sailing and when you met him sailing, did you know his height off the bat? Yeah, ish. I'm not good at heights. I couldn't tell you how tall someone is. Yeah, but you knew you 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 taller. didn't know his exact centimeter. Yes. Okay. And did you know what religion he was raised right off the bat? No. no. And did you know where he lived right off the bat? Nope. Okay. And so when what people do, and I think um Aziz Ansari had said this in Modern Romance, like suddenly people are searching, you know, Jewish and my zip yeah. code. And it's like, okay, here's all the people. And and then, you know, some people will also do height restriction or body type mm -hmm. restriction and you know, what can happen with those, what that is and create a very limiting world where all suddenly, you know, and I see this as even as a matchmaker where it's like, it's no longer dating. It's McDonald's dating, like made to order. And that can be really tough. And oh, I, feel I like my first, my first, first, um, time I ever met my husband, I got onto the boat, turned around, looked, saw him and said, you've got some food in your beard. And I turned and walked away. So my first impression of my husband was him with food in his beard. So don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> and I think that's, so that's what happens. We judge people based on, you know, really specific criteria. And I, I think one of the reasons why I liked snack from the moment you told me about it was like eight months ago. But one of the things that appealed to me the most is that suddenly because it's video, people become human again. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm not interested in dating anyone who's less than five foot. 10. It's like, oh, this person is moving and it's contextualized and they look fine. It's, you know, if I met them at sailing, I don't think I'd even care that they're not five foot 10 and over. One of the examples I always give is imagine that you are swiping through images on Bumble or Tinder and it's the static image of someone holding a guitar and you're like, ah, seven out of 10, five out of 10, maybe. And now all of a sudden you're on snack and you see them playing a guitar. And maybe they're singing an awesome James Blunt song. And you're like, wow, like that's phenomenal. Like they have such an amazing voice that automatically will elevate them in terms of your expectations of who they are, your rating of who they would be, because you get to learn so much more about them than just that static version of themselves. And that's what real life is like. If you walked into a room and you saw a picture of someone on a wall versus being able to see someone sing and like experience what they look like and sound like and not feel like, but you can get an impression from them. That's what video dating is like compared to image date, like image-based dating. Yeah, totally agree. Okay. 
So today I want to just read a closure letter that we received from a listener and I'd love, it's pretty long. Okay. I'm going to read this rant that they've sent rant closure letter to get it off their chest. And, uh, I would love your take on it because I, you know, I had a lot of thoughts reading this and I want to see what thoughts you have. Sure. All right. I'm not going to use, I'm going to use fake names for, yeah, please do back in September, 2020, I attended a surprise 30th birthday party for one of my best guy friends. He had a few college buddies fly in and surprise him. Oh my God. I can't believe people are in September before the vaccines. People are flying in for birthday parties. Strike one. Anyway, uh, two of them caught my eye, but the moment I interacted with his best friend of the bunch, James, this unimaginable, excuse me, this unexplainable feeling like I've never had before came over me the moment we locked eyes and matched up to play flip cup. How old is she? She's 26. Okay. Um, the fun Saturday night progressed and he specifically asked me if I was going out with them. We got out downtown. We talk a lot. We made fun of each other. We flirt. He tells me how he likes my sense of humor. The night comes to an end. He asks if he's going to see me the next day during their next activity which we inevitably end up seeing each other briefly that Sunday during our interaction. I had a feeling come over me. Like I have never experienced. I was nervous in the best of ways and was just trying to keep it cool. When I was leaving, he asked what I was doing later as he was leaving the next day, but I knew we wouldn't see each other again. I told my friend, let me give another name now, Steve, maybe he should give James my number. He let me know he had recently broken up with his girlfriend of three years, was about to start a new job and just moved to a new state where he knew no one to preface where he was in his life. I left it at that accepting that I think I was in love with a man who I felt this unexplained connection with never to see him again. Before I keep going, when you met your husband after the beard food line, did you ever feel like this unexplained connection feeling with him? Um, I friend zoned him for about four months. I was very happy with where I was at in my life. I'd just gone out of a long-term relationship and I kind of said, I didn't want to date anyone new for X period of time. So I was still in that period of time. So I very much friend zoned him. And I think I knew that if we went there, I would either, that would be it. And I wouldn't date anyone else uh-huh. or I would ruin a great friendship. And so there was a connection there, but I wasn't sure if it was a friend connection or a, this is my person connection. Got it. But the the beard and the the food and the beard wasn't that like spark moment. No, (laughs) it was for him. It wasn't for me. Oh my God. I love that. All right. Fast forward to December, 2020 and James decided to come in town for new year's. We went to dinner as a group the night before I was so nervous. We sat next to each other. And while I could barely pull myself together to stay calm, The first thing he told me was that he was moving to our city come the end of summer. We all have a great dinner. We grab drinks after in which my friends start ranting on me about what a great baker I am as I was bringing dessert to our small New Year's gathering. My God, this is all happening before vaccine rollout. And I'm just like getting like palpitations of sharing (laughs) food and flying places. (laughs) Like what? This girl's at a super spreader. (laughs) James says, while he isn't a big sweets guy, he loves M&M cookies and asks if I'll make him some. I play it off as I might not have time. So no promises, but I was going to make those damn cookies if it was the last thing I did. We go to the party, have a nice time, sure laughs, all the things. Oh, and I obviously brought the cookies. New Year's Day, he texted me thanking me for the cookies and told me how much he appreciated the gesture. I sent him a text wishing him farewell and how our group was looking forward to him moving to our city. I never thought that one text from New Year's would turn into consistent texting and even FaceTimes. 
He first FaceTimed me at 8.30 a.m. on a Wednesday after two weeks of constant texting and for months we FaceTimed fairly often. After that first FaceTime, he even told me he could get used to starting his days that way. He'd even confide in me, vent, etc. I thought it was cute. He trusted me enough to do so. I mean, it's not cute. It should, that should be the reasonable expectation in a healthy relationship, but they're not in a relationship. While our buddy, I don't know what the names are now at this point, uh, was going through a breakup at this time. He even told me how he went through something similar and how in three years he never said, I love you. And how the older he gets, he's 30, he realizes how important it is for a woman to have great values, et cetera. Men, she wrote here, men do supposedly take longer than women to mature. I just want to pause right here. You're talking to a man every day who's now just told you that he dated some for three years and never said, I love you. I've had some female friends that have been in that boat. So it's hard for them that have been the one who had never said it before. So it's hard for me to comment and they're very much in a loving relationship now. So it's hard for me to, they didn't say, I love you for three years with the man that they're dating. Mm-hmm. Is this a Canadian thing? I don't know. So I... it's hard to comment. I, and I think for some people, actions do mean more than words. And there is something to be said for like understanding what each other's love language is. Cause some people want words. Some people want affection and intimacy. And if words is something that for them is less important and it's more about affection than that might be okay. But yeah. if for this other person, words are the thing that's the most important thing that they need for reassurance, then that is going to be a problem. Because right. if that's something they want in a relationship and need in a relationship, then it's not going to work out. I mean, I had Dr. Helen Fisher on my podcast a few weeks ago, and she said it took two years until she actually felt it before, but she wanted him to say it first. And she waited and two years. And I was like, and that's why I say it's that like, it depends on what you need out of a relationship. If you need those words of reassurance, but that other person's not willing to give that to you, yeah. then that's going to be a struggle in the relationship. Well, but that if tells you everything you need to know about me, I'm, I'm a words affirmation person. I'm reading this and I'm just like, Ugh. and so that's how, that's what you need. But if someone else yeah. is okay with like touch and hugging and all these, and that's how they get affirmation that their relationship is great, then the words might not matter as much. Right. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your perspective. I love it when it's, I love different perspectives. That's great. All right. Fast forward to a few months of texting and FaceTiming where he's telling me all these things we'll do together. When he moves to our city, we even do a face mask via FaceTime together, heavy flirting, telling me things like I have a heart of gold and am a sweetheart. The list goes on all the while. I always wanted to ask, what is this? Our friend said he would do some nonchalant dinging, which I was on the fence about. And lo and behold, right before Easter weekend, he told me that James said we are really great fan, friends and that considering me as anything more was always off the table due to our religious differences. At this point, it had been a good month since our last FaceTime, but we still texted regularly. Um, it's May and a few days ago, I finally stopped crying over him and I'm trying to pretend like things are normal between us as we are good friends. You're not friends but I am truly, I'm just sorry for my own editorialism here, but I am truly heartbroken. I still continue to think about him as I have from the moment we locked eyes playing flip cup. And I'm so upset at myself for continuing to feel this way and to think our friendship was something more than it was. I can be a very straightforward person. It has bothered me that I was not the one to have a conversation with James. Once he moves here, I want to have this conversation face to face. I will run into the same circle, but I fear of the potential strain it will have on our friendship. I can't help but wonder if he truly never had any feelings for me, religion aside. If he didn't, I don't think I know what it means for a man to be interested in me based off of the so many things he said to me, the FaceTimes, the flirting, the future plans. 
In the words of the great Celine Dion, my heart will go on. That song is about someone's love dying, but okay. Um, thank you for letting me rant and get this off my chest. Um, thank you so much, Anonymous, uh, for sending this. But ooh, I have so many thoughts, but I first want to let Kim tell me her thoughts. I think the one great thing that comes out of this is that she said she'd never felt that way before. Mm. And now she knows what that feeling feels like and knows what to look for in a future relationship and a future in a healthier, more positive relationship, but knows what that expectation should be from her standpoint of this is what I want to feel again. And knowing that that is out there. Kim, with the diplomatic answer, geez, like you're going to make me look like such a bitch in a second. I'm about to- <laughs> well, first of all, I think I, I can go the opposite end and say like, they should have had like in hindsight yes you should have had the conversation sooner no he shouldn't have necessarily led you on but who knows whether or not he led you on and why are you waiting till he shows up in town to have the actual conversation with him if you want to have the conversation and get closure just do it because you're never going to know what his response is going to be and it's going to take time to get over it whether or not you have that conversation now later or never you know she never said anything this is a very descriptive letter and yet she never said anything that made it seem like he flirted with her that's what i mean it's that it sounds like he was overtly friendly she liked him he always saw her as a friend religion aside and that sucks i've been there i know exactly what that feels like it's it's gut-wrenching and it 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 doesn't feel good but the only way she's going to get over him is by actually having that conversation. Totally. And it might cause a temporary strain in the friendship group, but the temporary, she's either going to own that temporary strain all on her own, or she's going to be able to spread it amongst him as well so that he understands where she's coming from. Right. And what do you think about the religion difference? It's hard um, to know without disclosing of religions, but you know, today I had a woman in, in message me, I believe she was Hindu and her boyfriend is Muslim. And um, I guess the boyfriend's sister said that they're not interested in meeting his girlfriend and that, you know, he should be ashamed of himself or even whatever, whatever, she, whatever he said that was very hurtful to her own brother. And the woman who messaged me all this, she's, she's very upset. And I just had to remind her that like, he could still bring home, like, even if it wasn't you, mm-hmm. He could bring home someone who shares the same faith and his sister would would find any reason to not like her because that's such a, that is such a, an, I don't say inappropriate, but it's a not, it's an, an unnecessary reaction. I do have um, a close girlfriend who very on in a relationship found out the religion was an issue. Right. And to be honest, she didn't give up. And she said, I still want to be with you. And why is this an issue? And it ended up getting to the point where her partner and her partner's family was willing to accept her converting and that that would be good enough for them. But very early on, there's these rigid ideals around, I need to be with someone like X, otherwise my family won't accept them. And when it got to the point where the relationship was getting more serious, they were willing to have the conversation with their family to say, okay, what is acceptable and what isn't? Because mm-hmm. as, a, as a child, you often make these constructs of, this is what my family's expecting of me, but you don't actually have the conversation with them to confirm that that is the case. And we put the pressure on ourselves as the children in the relationship to almost assume that that's what's happening. And because that's how you've been brought up, but our families and our parents often are adapting as the world evolves around us. 
and they might be more willing and accepting than we would expect them to be to come up with compromises in those situations. Especially if you're happy, especially, you know, I always ask like, well, how did your partner react? Because it's also how they advocate for you to their family. And it's also about how you lead, you know, it, religion aside, are your values aligned and the definitions of such the same? I think it depends. Like to me, it's digging into like, why are you like, why is this religious piece so important? And oftentimes you do hear it's the family. It's right. not necessarily them and the expectations of the family. And that's why I say having those open conversations, having your partner have those open conversations with their family around what would be an okay compromise. And then having the conversations as a couple of what would be an okay compromise for you as well. And say, okay, well, does this work? Does it not work? And what are we okay? Are we okay with having some friction with family or are we not? And I guess it goes back to my point, which is like, you know, religion is such an easy way to like pick on someone. Um, I feel like I just solved like the Middle East crisis by saying that sentence, but okay. Uh, it's a very easy thing to pick on someone. And just because you're the same religion, it, it doesn't ensure anything. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a critical example of that. Um, you know, I am, I share the same religion as my husband. And, and in, in fact, we even share the same perception of our religion together, which is, I feel like a little bit even more rare. And my mother-in-law will still find any reason to not like me. And it's like, you know, it's, if it's not this, it's something else, you know? And I always try to tell people like, like, it's not, it's not religion. It's always something else, but But maybe I'm wrong. Going going back to the letter though, that this still isn't a conversation that the two of them have ever had together. Right. This is being heard through a third party. And until they actually sit down and have that conversation and have her understanding of, well, what, what is the part of the religion? And what is that belief around and why is that so important? Can you even start to unpack as to whether or not it is about religion or is it about something else? Maybe he just wanted to be friends and religion was just an offhand comment that he made to his other friend, but that's what it's all become about to her. So until she unpacks it and has that open, honest conversation, I don't think you can really, I don't know. Kim, I totally agree with you. She needs to have a conversation and just, you know. Rather than writing a letter and ranting to you. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the rant, the, the letters. They're, they're wonderful. But I think the advice here is, you know, talk to him. If you, if you actually want to have a friendship with this person, talk to him. If you don't want to have a friendship with this person, which by the way, I have to say this, just because someone doesn't want to date you, the consolation prize is not your friendship. You can also, you have the choice to just walk away. I think the concern here was around the friend group. And that's why I was like. saying it, it is. But at the same time, if you want to have that friend group and you don't want things to be awkward, it's going to take time, regardless of whether or not, you have that conversation. I'm, but they didn't sleep with each other. They didn't kiss. They didn't, they didn't do anything. They just talked on FaceTime. I don't know. I feel like we've put this person on a pedestal, this guy. 100%. And he, I don't think he belongs on that pedestal. And I bet you when they meet in person, it's a very different situation because you're right. It's easier to put someone on a pedestal when you're not in the same room together and you're not seeing each other all the time than it is um, if they're a constant presence in your life you know, if they have food in their beard. <laughs> that was a positive experience in the end. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Kim, thank you for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thanks for having me. Where can people download Snack? Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, we're in the iTunes store at the moment. Um, Android, unfortunately, isn't quite ready at the moment, um, but we are available in the iTunes store. You can search for Snack Dating. Um, we're available in lots of countries. Awesome. And you also have a really great Instagram and TikTok too, where you put- Oh yeah. Check out our TikTok. Get Snack app. Uh, Get Snack app. I'll include the link to that in the episode notes. 
And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and how I can help you, visit agapimatch.com. The link is in the episode notes. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship content. Thank you again for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. Be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.